Good morning, guys. Good to be back with you this week. Today, I want to talk about struggles. I, I know that's not a subject that we like to think about, we even like to talk about, but I think it's important that we look and understand struggles in our lives as believers. Now, I struggle. <laughs> I struggle with many things. And I worship with, and I study with, and I minister with, and I live with people who also struggle. When I was a pastor, many people bring their struggles, brought their struggles to me. And that's that's true of any pastor. That's true of us who who are willing to invest ourselves and put ourselves out there to connect with people and to relate to people and to minister to and with people. We're going to have people in our lives who have struggles. And some of those struggles are going to be huge and big, and some of them are not going to be quite as maybe life-changing or even life-threatening. Now, I have to be honest and tell you that some of the struggles that people brought to me, I could only do one thing, and that was enter into the struggle with them. Some of the struggles we have are hard, they're big, and have no easy or quick answers. And I didn't have a lot of easy, quick answers for these folks. I couldn't give them a formula or steps. Here's step one, step two, step three, do these and you'll get through the struggle and it'll be over and you'll never have to worry about it. I didn't give them a formula or a pattern because there is not one. And I think when we do that, we're, we're not being honest with people, number one. But number two, I think we're minimizing the struggle and the hurt that these folks are going through. Now, one of the ways that God has taught me to deal with struggles over the years is he gave me privileges of entering into struggles with people. About 30 years ago, God gave me the privilege to enter into struggle and suffering with a friend. And the struggle was not because of personal sin or wrongdoing or any mistakes that my friend made. This struggle came from a tragic circumstance. His wife was in the wrong place at the wrong time and was in a tragic accident that left her incapacitated and not really able to function as a wife, as a mother, as anything, really. She became institutionalized after that time. She was home for a little bit, but still the functions and the thinking and the, the ability to function in life was simply not there. And God gave me the privilege to walk with my friend through a lot of that. And I have to be honest, even today I look back and I think, why God? I mean, why did this happen? What was your purpose? And I'm not God and neither are you, so we're always not going to give those, get those kinds of answers. Cause, and I don't expect those, those kinds of answers because we're told that God's ways and his thinking are higher than ours. And so I don't expect it. 
but I did have to ask it because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the struggle that my friend and the family were going through. I did not understand it. My son, on the other hand, who is married to my friend's daughter, I think gets it a little bit more clear at times even than I do. And he says, but dad, look at some of the good things that came out of it. It was a tragic, bad situation. A lot of bad things came out of it. But there were some also God used it to bring some good things out of that situation. Lately, God has reminded me of that time in my life. I think probably as we go through the, the different changes in our lives, those kinds of things come back. And he's brought some struggling people into my life lately, and he has brought some struggles into my own life. As a, a new season, a new phase of my life began a few months ago, there was some struggles, some questions about exactly um, how I fit into this and where God fit into uh, what he wanted me to do during this time. And as I said before, I, I don't have answers for every struggle, for every person who's struggling and hurting. But after over seven decades of living and, and pastoring and being involved with people, God has given me some things that I know about struggle now. The first is that struggle is not sin and it's not wrong. I think a lot of times we have what I call Job's friends' reactions to struggles in our own life and in other people's lives. And here's what we say. You must have done something wrong. There must have been some sin or some wrongdoing in your life that has caused this. Because that's what Job's friends did. You know, they're sitting there at first just hurting with Job, just, just entering into the struggle with Job. But then they begin to think, well, we need to give Job some advice here. And there surely must be some sin to explain this horrendous struggling he's going through. Later on, at the end of Job, God says, you know, you guys were all wrong and Job was right. So I'm going to ask him to pray for you because Job kept saying, no, there, there is no unconfessed sin. There is no great sin or wrongdoing in my life that's caused this. Struggle is not sinful. It's not wrong. In Hebrews 4.15, the writer of Hebrews says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And this verse tells me a couple of things. First, this verse says that Jesus was tempted. Now, the word tempted here means that he suffered as the enemy attempted to test his faith. In other words, Jesus faced struggles. Jesus faced suffering. And Jesus endured all these painful sufferings just as we do. Notice, he, he faced those temptations and struggling in every respect, just as we do. Jesus wasn't exempt because he was the God-man. In fact, I think he had a bigger target on, his, on himself than we do. Because, man, if Satan could get Jesus to fall, if he could give, get him to sin, if he could get, give, get him to, uh, to fall in to sin because of these struggles and these temptations, boy, look at the victory that he would have won because he's literally getting God to sin. 
And so he faced those struggles, just like you and I do. So if Jesus faced struggles, if Jesus faced temptation, if Jesus faced suffering because of that, that tells me that when I face struggles and I face temptations and I'm struggling and I'm suffering because of this, it is not because of sin and it is not sin in itself. So the first thing that, that I've come to understand is that struggle is not wrong. In fact, struggle is kind of good because if we're struggling, it means that we're not giving in. See, if, if I'm not struggling with something, if I've just said, this is too hard, forget it, I'm just going to give in to it, then I give in to it. And it takes me away from that connection and that intimate relationship with Jesus. But if I'm struggling, that means I am, I'm, I'm trying to move through that struggle to move in the right direction toward Jesus. But the second thing that this verse tells me and gives me great, great, great hope is that Jesus overcame the temptations. He didn't let the struggle keep him from obeying the Father. You know, I think a lot of times we look at Jesus's life and we say, oh yeah, I see in Matthew 4, 1 through 10, where Jesus faced temptation. He faced direct temptation. You know, Satan comes to him and says, if you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple because it's written that he'll send angels to catch you. If you're the Son of God, then just bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And Jesus confronts him with scripture every time and overcomes that temptation, that struggle to move in the direction that would be against God's will and to always do God's will. But that's not the only time he faced temptation. I think Peter was a great instrument that Satan used in Jesus's life to try to tempt Jesus to move away from the cross. Because when Jesus says, you know, I'm going to die. Peter says, no, no, you can't be talking like that. And, and Jesus says to Peter, you're thinking like Satan, not like God. I think the disciples as a whole were a great instrument of temptation in Jesus's life because here's was the guys that he was going to entrust the kingdom to once his death, his resurrection, and his ascension had been accomplished. And he needed to make sure they understood. And so many times they just didn't get it. I don't know about you, that kind of makes me feel good that these guys who physically walk with Jesus always didn't get it. And I always don't get it, but he didn't give up on them and he didn't let that move him away from continuing to follow the will of the Father. But I think the greatest time we see Jesus overcoming the struggle and the temptation to move away from the will and the plan of God for him was in the garden on that, on that evening of his of his arrest. When he's in the garden, what is he doing? He's praying. And what is he praying? He's praying, Father, not my will, not what I want, but your will is what I want done. And, and it was such an intense struggle that it says that he, he sweated blood. Now, I've been under some struggles and tension and pressure, but I've never faced anything like that. And yet, what did Jesus do? He got up from that prayer time. He let them come and arrest him. He went to the cross and he died for you and me. I don't think Jesus went to the cross with this great 
elation and joy and happiness that he was going to go to the cross and suffer for our sin. But it says that he endured the cross for the joy that it would bring. Joy to him? Yes, because he had accomplished the Father's will and he provided what nobody else could provide for you and I, and that is salvation. But also joy for us because he knew the joy that we would experience when we surrender our lives to him as the Lord of our lives and enter into that relationship with him. So raise the roof and remove the walls is about Jesus is, is about us knowing that Jesus struggled and knowing that he overcame those struggles and he's willing to be there and give us that overcoming ability through the indwelling presence of his spirit. A second thing I've learned about struggle is that everyone struggles. Every person who has ever lived or who will ever live on this planet will face struggle. In John 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Now, this is part of the teaching that he gave them on that, that last evening. They're, they're, by this time, they're already in the garden. Okay, they've, they've had the communion. They've had the, the Passover meal, the Lord's Supper with Jesus. They've had their feet washed. Now they're in the garden, these 11 men who stayed with him. And he says to them this, I have told you these things, what I've been teaching you tonight, what, I, what he has been teaching them all of the time they had been with him so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. Notice, he doesn't say you might have trouble. Some of you might face some struggles. No, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus tells us very clearly here that in this fallen, sin-dominated world, we will have trouble. Now, the word trouble here is an interesting word because it, it means to be pressed or squeezed. Jesus is telling us that the world will squeeze us and the enemy will pressure us and try to get us to be discouraged and to give up and to say it's simply not worth the effort to follow Jesus. I'll just go a different route. I'll just go a simpler, easier route. But Notice what Jesus says at the end of this verse. He tells us something totally fantastic. He tells us not to be discouraged, not to, not to lose heart. Why? Because he's overcome the world. See, just as in that Hebrew passage, it says that he faced those temptations, but he didn't sin. Now he gives us even a greater thing. Not only didn't he sin, but he overcame every one of those temptations, every one of those struggles, every one of those circumstances that you and I are going to face in life. He overcame them. And he gives us in this relationship, this intimate love relationship that we have with him, he gives us that ability, that victory to allow him through the Holy Spirit to overcome those struggles in our lives. So raise the roof and remove the walls is about experiencing Jesus's victory over the trouble that we face in our lives. An understanding that struggle is not sin and that we are going to experience times of struggle Jesus is pointing to himself as the hope we have in the midst of the struggle and the way through the struggle. 
it's not a Bible study that we have to go through or training that we have to go through or a program that we have to go through. It's not rules. It's not regulations. It's not steps. It's a person, Jesus. And we, we come to know this Jesus in a personal relationship with him by surrendering our lives to him as the sole ruling authority of our lives. But there's a third thing that I've learned about struggle and suffering. And that is God has a plan to use all of our struggles and all of our suffering. He is not the one who causes them, understand that, but he will use everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly for his glory and for our benefit. In James 1, 2 through 5, Jesus, uh, James writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, if James would have stopped writing there, I would have been very mad and I would have said, James, what are you possibly talking about? How can I face joy, pure joy? How can I face trials with pure joy? And then he goes on, he said, because, here's why, you know that the testing of your faith, those struggles, develops perseverance. Why do we get up in the mornings? You know, there, there have been times, particularly when I was a pastor, when I would get up in the mornings knowing I was going to face a very difficult situation that day because somebody had made an appointment or I was going to have to go confront somebody or I was going to have a meeting and I knew that in that circumstance there was going to be a struggle, there was going to be a temptation, there was going to be possible hurt and suffering. But I got up. Why? Because I knew that God would bring something good out of it. Then he goes on. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I really want to say there's got to be another way to become complete, to become mature in Jesus. But I see the principle in my life every day. We do a uh, food pantry at our church, and one of the things that God moved in my wife and I's life when I, we both retired was to get involved in that because we didn't have time. Otherwise, my wife worked on Tuesday afternoon when we did it. I was busy uh, with with church stuff, and so we didn't have the time. But now we do. And so we go and we volunteer our time. And I love it. It's fun. It's, it's physically demanding, particularly on this old body, but I love it. But I'm going to be honest with you. There are some people who come through there who I struggle with because they don't have the attitude of thank you for providing this for us. They're demanding. They're even pushy. They're even very rude at times. And I want to say to them, come on, get your act together. And then I remember times when God in my life has done things and I have not shown my thankfulness and my gratitude toward him. And so God reminds me of that. And so every day I know God is using that to grow me in my life. Another example in my personal life occurred in, in June of uh, 2010, so about 13 years ago. Jan and I, my wife and I, had went to Sedona, Arizona for vacation. Sedona is the new age capital of the world. I love going there because it challenges me to really live 
and at times to talk and testify about Jesus in the midst of a a very un-Jesus kind of situation. While we were there that particular year, Jesus impressed on me that I needed to lose weight. And I shared that with Jan, I shared that with my wife. And when we got back home, we started to change the way we ate. We didn't go on a diet because we we wanted this to be the way that we ate from then on. And for the most part, it kind of has been not as, probably not as disciplined as it was at one time. And I lost over 60 pounds over the next year, in that first year. So that's 60, 65, I may even push 70 pounds that I lost. But there were two disciplines in my life that allowed me to do that. How I ate and jogging or walking for at least two and a half to three miles every day, sometimes with weight vests, sometimes with weights in my hand. And I did that five days a week. And I did it every week, five days a week. It was hard. And there were days I didn't want to do it when it was cold or when I just had had a a really strenuous day the day before and I just wanted to lay in bed for another 10 or 15 minutes. But I knew it was necessary to get up every day and to do those things, to lose the weight and then to keep the weight down and to stay healthy. I didn't like it. It was painful at times. It hurt at times. It was inconvenient at times, but it was what I needed to do. And the struggle itself was a reminder every day of what the results was being brought about through that effort. Spiritually, the struggles in my life are not fun. And I know the struggles in spiritually in your life are not fun, but they move us. They even at times almost force us to turn to Jesus and depend on him. And that allows then us to grow and to be a more complete follower of Jesus, which is the ultimate goal of our lives. See, the ultimate goal in my life is not was not building a bigger church than anybody else. It was not baptizing more people. It was not having people look to me and respect me more than they did anybody else or all those kinds of things. No, it was simply to do the will of the Father, the same thing that Jesus' his mission and desire was. So raise the roof and remove the walls is about knowing struggles are hard, but also knowing that God is going to use them in our lives to grow us and make us complete. Now, the last thing I learned about struggles is that we don't have to go through the struggles alone. Jesus personally invites you and I to come to him with our struggles. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. And I don't think Jesus is just speaking here to the people of his day. This is God's word. This is the eternal word of God. So he knew that when he said this and he knew that when Matthew wrote this down, it was not just for the people of that culture and that generation. It was for all of us everywhere of all times. Here's what he says. Come to me. He's inviting us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says for all of those of us who struggle, who is that? All of us. That when we struggle, the world hits us with these struggles, with these temptations. And he will give us something that no one else can give us. He'll give us rest. Rest here means to cease from striving. I don't know about you, but man, I was taught directly and indirectly when I was growing up that I had to fight and I had to strive and I had to struggle for everything I got. And Jesus is saying, hey, the world's going to wear you down. The world's going to cause you to be tired. The world's going to cause you to want to give in. But here's what you do when you do that. You admit it and you come to him. You admit your weariness. You admit your tiredness. You admit your discouragement and you come to him. And what's he going to give you? Rest. Not just physical rest, though that is part of it at times. Not just emotional rest, though, again, that's a part of it but also spiritual rest. I'm not striving anymore to try to do all these great things so God will love me and accept me. No, I'm already loved and accepted by him. And, and, and my life is then directed toward doing his will. And when I face those struggles, knowing that he's already faced them and overcome them, I can come to him with those struggles that are tiring me out, that are discouraging me, that are beating me down. And he's going to give me the one thing that I need that nobody else can give me and that is rest. Jesus will, in the middle of our struggles, with everyday living, help us to experience a peace. A peace from fear. A peace from stress. And a peace from sin. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 13 that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus is not like the friend who is there in the good times when everything's great, but abandons us in the bad times. He is there through all times, no matter what the circumstances. You may look around and there may not be another human being there for you, but I guarantee you, as a child of God, he will always, always, always be in the midst of that struggle, that discouragement, that hurt, that temptation with you. So raise the roof and remove the walls is about going through the struggles with Jesus, not apart from Jesus, not alone, but with him. When we surrender our lives to Jesus and begin to allow him to raise the roof and remove the walls, the enemy will attack us. He'll attack us with struggles. He'll put obstacles there that cause us to struggle. He will attack us with trouble. He will cause things and circumstances around us to be things that, that, that are troublesome, that are hard. He will hit us with temptations so that he tries to distract us and draw us away from that following and that being obedient to Jesus. And he'll hit us with trials. We will go through some things. They may not be, as Job's were, not his fault, as my friends, not his fault, just tragic circumstances, but he will try to use those trials to beat us down and to convince us that God does not love us and he's not there for us. Jesus promises that as the roof is raised, as the walls are removed, he will give us himself, the one who has overcome the struggles, 
who's overcome the troubles, who's overcome the temptations, who's overcome the trials. I will struggle. You're going to struggle while we live in this life. But I will never struggle alone. And you never have to struggle alone. I have the one who is bigger than my struggles, Jesus. And he offers himself to you to be Lord and Savior of your life and to be bigger than the struggles that you face. Raise the roof and remove the walls is about having Jesus with us in every and all circumstances and knowing that he is bigger than anything we will face ever. So this week, I want to encourage you to look over the passages that I've mentioned and admit to God what your struggles are. He already knows them, so they're not going to shock him. He's not going to go, what? I didn't know that. And then ask him to be with you in the middle, in the midst of those struggles, and then allow him to be your rest in the struggle and your way through the struggles. So in the midst of the struggles, we're raising the roof and removing the walls. Will you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you so much for your love, for your power, for your presence in our lives each and every day. We live in a fallen, broken world. We live in a world that is in rebellion against you and your will. And yet we have been placed here as your children. Help us that as we struggle to know that we don't struggle alone, you're there with us and that you've overcome that very struggle that we're facing, that very temptation, that very hurt, that painful situation. You've faced it, you've overcome it, and you're there with us and you will give us the victory to overcome it. But we have to depend and surrender everything over to you. I pray we will do that and experience the joy of you even in the midst of the struggle. Love you, Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Jesus for being with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling us. We give you praise and lift all this to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for accessing and listening today. If this spoke to you, please, please, please share it with other people. I want to ask you to um, a couple of things. One is a prayer request. Uh, we're scheduled to go in June on a mission project to another part of the world. I'm not going to discuss it because it's sensitive. But I want to ask you to pray for my wife's passport to get in by May 30th, if it could. Um, we need it to get in by then so that we can then do all the other paperwork that allows us to go. We believe this is what God wants. So if you will join us in praying for that passport to get in by the 30th, that would be very cool. Number two, Thursday, uh, we do a podcast, my son and I. It's called Raise the Roof, Remove the Walls. And you can pick it up on any of the platforms that you listen to podcasts on, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Google. Um, I listen to an iHeartRadio. So any of those platforms. Um, we're going to be talking about the Beatitudes this week. And I hope you'll, you'll, you'll tune in and listen to that and pick up any of the other sessions that we've done uh, simply because I think we, we, we share spiritual biblical truth centered on Jesus in those podcasts. And um, I pray that they would help you. You guys have a great week. I love you. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, same time, same place, same station. Have a great week. Bye, guys.